Hey coaches, this is Nick Bartlett with Dr. Dish Basketball, and you're listening to the Championship Vision Podcast with Coach Kevin Furtado. Make sure to check us out at drdishbasketball.com and on Twitter and Instagram at at drdishbball for daily basketball drills, tips, inspiration, and how we've revolutionized the basketball shooting machine over here at Dr. Dish. Also mention this podcast and you will receive an exclusive discount on your next Dr. Dish purchase. Thanks for tuning in. Hello, coaches. This is Coach Kevin Furtado. I'm the head girls basketball coach at Lake Oconee Academy. I'd like to welcome you to the Championship Vision Podcast. This is episode number 23. Today, we are interviewing Coach Matthew Moore. He's the head boys basketball coach at Fisher High School in Fishers, Indiana. He's been there since 2017. Uh, two, he's 12-12 in his first year, played 11 best schedule in the state, lost in the sectional championship game to state runner-up. His program has had the best three-point percentage as a team, a 37.7%, defeated the three top 10 teams, Carmel, Valparaiso, and Pike. Kokomo High School in Kokomo, Indiana, was his next stop 2014-2017. Three-year varsity record, 42-30, and 17-4 record in February. Continued growth through the season. Most wins by head coach in the first three seasons since 1986. Three consecutive seasons, team ranked number one in NCC and rebounding, number one in two-point field goal percentage, number two in three-point field goal percentage. He's creator of the Wildcat Basketball Academy, which embodies program wide player development for all players in grades K through 8. His collegiate basketball experience, he's a head men's basketball coach at Mount Vernon Nazarene University in Mount Vernon, Ohio, 2009 to 2014. Uh, have led the men's basketball team the most victories in the first two years as head coach than anyone else in 42 years of the program. Through first four years, collected the third most wins in program history. My teams have shown excellence in the classroom as well as on the court. In his five years at MVNU, his entire team GPA was 3.08, 3.25, 3.33, and 3.42, and 3.18, respectively. His ability to fundraise and grow within his community and surrounding state has been a positive influence for the growth and development of the campus while he was there. His other stop was at Grace College, Winona Lake, Indiana. <clears throat> he was an assistant basketball coach and head recruiter. Um, third consecutive 20-plus win season, first in 20 years, NEIA tournament, Elite Eight, second straight year, 22-11 and 11 record, ranked in the top 20 in the nation for the third consecutive year. 2007-2008, they were also in the NEIA tournament, Elite Eight, 26-10 and 10 record, second <clears throat> Mid-Central College Conference, Lancers led NCC in steals and second in assists. First back-to-back 21 season in 15 years. 2006-2007, NCC AA Tournament runner-up, 23-12 and 12 record. Lancers led NCC in scoring, assists, and steals. couple things I want to kind of tell you about his program. Um, three core values that he believes in his character, competence, and service. He'll be talking about these you know, in the interview. These three characteristics are what I want my coaching staff, my players to embody in the pursuit of utilizing basketball and competition with a strong conviction to stand up for what is right, doing it with an understanding and knowledge 
from learning and servicing others' needs before serving our own needs. That's a great point. Those are three of his core values. He'll be talking about this and much more in our podcast coming up. Coaches like to welcome Coach Matt Moore, head boys coach from Fishers, Indiana. Yes, sir. Can you hear me okay? Yes. Can you hear me all right? Absolutely, yeah. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. You bet. Looking forward to it. You know how it is in teaching. Um, I'm a K-5 PE teacher, and, uh, you know, after I finish with uh, – I got four classes in a row. Um, man, I'm ready to go for the rest of the day, man. They, they warm me up. I bet. I bet. Well, I got up early today <laughs> and got some stuff done, so looking forward to talking hoops with you. Yeah, and how's school going out there at Fisher? How's everything going? It's been great. You know, this is year two for me. Um, high academic school, a lot of expectation athletically as well. So it's kind of like the perfect blend of what you want to be around. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but I appreciate it. we got Coach Matt Moore on from uh, Fisher High School in uh, Indiana, and we're so excited to have an Indiana guy. We have a we've had coaches from um, mostly Georgia, but tennis, uh, Tennessee, some really great coaches. Uh, really. Uh, highly recommended you and uh when when brad does that i know this person's an excellent coach and teacher um matt tell me a little bit about yourself and um how you got started in the coaching absolutely um you know this is year 17 for me uh, on the coaching side um i played at a at a what would be a 4a school here in indiana which is the largest division uh columbia city high school played for a guy by the name of chris benedict um, awesome coach. It was a really big impact in my influence of wanting to get into coaching. Uh, then went on and played at Grace College for a guy named Jim Kessler, uh, who's been starting his 43rd year at Grace College at the NAI level. Uh, outstanding mentor for me. And then I then I jumped into the coaching side. I was a I was a grad assistant for a year at Grace, and then I had the opportunity to join a Hall of Famer named Al Rhodes at Logan Sport High School for three years. And then I got the chance to go back to Grace College um, as the associate head coach for three. And we made uh, some runs down to the NAI National Tournament. My, I actually had my twin brothers at the time were on two of those teams. Um, so that was an exciting opportunity. Then I got my first shot at being a head coach. I went uh, to Mount Vernon Nazarene University in Ohio and was, at, was able to be the head coach there for five years. And then uh, family started to grow, and the recruiting side of things uh, w- was tough to deal with. So we decided to come back to Indiana and kind of be what I always wanted to be, which is a high school basketball coach in Indiana. And so I spent three years at, at the powerhouse Kokomo High School and now uh, starting my second year at Fishers High School. And I love your um, your career path so far. I mean, <clears throat> you've had the college college experience and now the high school um, so I, I'm assuming that what you said was, um, the recruiting, I know you love the college so the recruiting was kind of a factor why you wanted to come back to high school. Yeah, absolutely. You know, it, at the NAI level, it's a little bit different because some of the rules and restrictions compared to the NCAA level are different. So 
um, you know, I loved being in the office. I loved being in the gym. I loved working with my guys and being on the road, trying to, you know, find that, that best balance that fits your team. And, um, you know, when you start having a family and you, you start kind of looking at where those hours are delegated, um, you know, I knew I could, I could do what I do anywhere. It doesn't matter what level. Um, but I also knew that I wanted to be a high school coach long before I ever thought of being a college coach. So for me, I kind of did it backwards. I started at the college level. Um, I, I wanted to be a, a head coach by the time I was 30 and I got the Mount Vernon job two weeks before I turned 30. Um, so for me, yeah, it was a great path. I, I miss the question I probably get the most right now is I miss having just a team of 12, 13, 14 guys, you know, um, but, but now I'm in a different setting. I get the chance to build a pro- You there, coach? Sorry about that. Sometimes the Wi-Fi in my office. That's okay. But uh, just kind of bear with me and so forth. Sure. Uh, you know how technology is sometimes. Absolutely. Um, yeah. I, I, my, my next question was, was about who had an impact on you. I know that my dad and my uncle had tremendous impact on, they were both coaches, who had a big impact on you and why you're coaching? You know, I've had, I've had a lot of, a lot of different people that have molded me. You know, my father obviously is somebody, he was the best man at my wedding, a very powerful influence uh, in my life. Um, my godfather was a high school coach. So I grew up around the game and, and I knew it about probably sixth grade that I wanted to be a, a high school basketball coach. Um, my college coach, Chris Benedict had a huge impact of directing me. My, my, uh, Coach Kessler at Grace College helped kind of ma- transition me into manhood a little bit with responsibility and ownership and being a better leader. Um, you know, and I, I, I was fortunate through my path to spend some time with some some great coaches. John Wooden is a guy that I spent about eight years getting to know. Uh, I took 10 trips out to Los Angeles to spend time with Coach Wooden uh, in, the, in the later years of his life. And so he had a huge in- influence on me. Um, so I think there's a little bit of everybody in my style. Uh, this kind of touched me in, in my path to be a head coach. That's awesome. Tell me a little bit about Coach Wooden. I mean, very few people get that that opportunity. Tell me a little bit about what he taught you. You know, I was so we went out uh, in the in the winter of two thousand. Um, got to visit with Coach Wooden when I was playing in college, and um, I was just mesmerized. I just stared at him and, and was just in awe. Uh, I, I wrote him a letter when we got back and I just said, Hey, I'd love to come out. And he wrote me back three weeks to the day, um, and said, here's my address. Here's my number. Come out anytime. And so that night I booked a flight to Los Angeles the, the day we got out of school in May. Um, and I took a flight out there as a 21 year old and spent about eight hours with coach Wooden in his house. Just he and I, um, talking about the war, talking about teams, talking about his wife, talking about, uh, his, his spiritual walk I mean just kind of everything and um it it was just a powerful thing for me of everything you hear about coach Wooden um you know one time I went out I I met him in between the Yankees were in town so Tori and A-Rod and and Jeter were there on like a Wednesday I was there Thursday and then Phil Jackson came on a Friday um it wow it's just powerful to think that you know he's gonna make the time And, and that was powerful for me that you know, it's something that we teach. We teach the, the pyramid of success. Like we'll go through our entire season and we'll go through, um, you know, what does it mean? What does it look like? And we'll build those blocks. And, you know, we want our teams to see that and grow through the season um, in, in exactly what he was talking about with the pyramid. So 
Uh, you know, obviously he's a huge impact on the game, but I think just that, you know, he's an Indiana guy. I, I, last week I spoke down in Bloomington, Indiana, and on the way down at Martinsville High School is kind of on the way. So, um, you know, funny story, they've got a statue of Coach Wooden uh, at the entrance of the main gym there. That's where he played growing up in Martinsville. And, sure. and I had never seen it. So I was like, you know what, I got to stop and see this. Um, so I did, took some pictures, walked around. But the funny story is he was telling me this um, when, they, when they initially set up the uh, the. I don't know what you want to call it. They had a ceremony where they named the gym after him and and did this display. They brought this statue in and on the way in uh, the gentleman that was carrying it, the head hit the doorway and broke the head off of the statue. So so, um, coach Wooden's telling me this story that he ends up, they they have to scramble because the event's coming up. And so they they get a picture and the, the, the molding guy does the cast and, they actually, the picture they got of the head was not a picture of Coach Wooden. So when they redid the head, it's not John Wooden's head. So <laughs> he shows up at the event. He's walking in and he's looking at the statue that's supposed to be him. And a player walks by and the player's looking at him. He looks at the statue. He looks back at him and he says, That's not you, is it? And Coach just laughed and said, No, that's not me. Um, but just, you know, a great sense of humor and just, just kept it. On a, on a level of, of teaching the game. And I think that's something nowadays that we have to continue to emphasize is you got to teach the game. And it's an ongoing process. It's about kids learning how to play, learning how to be better leaders and teammates, and that's what we're trying to do. Yeah, I mean, that's a great role model to have. I know uh, I've, I've studied Coach Warner because I'm, I'm pretty – I'm 54. So um, – but um, uh, one thing I heard about him, because a friend of mine, Coach Randy Montgomery in Ohio – uh, he had a chance to go meet him. He's so open. It's open door philosophy back then. Like, any, you know, he he was so welcoming to a lot of coaches. And today, I don't see that with a lot of D1 coaches. Do you? I mean, like, can you just walk into a door of some of these top coaches? Um, I guess times have just changed, right? Yeah, it's tough. You know, it's, it's a different pressure now. Um, you know, th- those guys are under microscopes and, and, you know, this, this Thursday, I'm taking my, my varsity staff down to Indiana university to, to watch practice. And, you know, you got to kind of build those relationships because again, uh, those guys have to win and it's, it's big time, it's big time business. But, um, you know, I think it's important that, that as coaches, you know, I think all of us learn from somebody in order for, to keep the game, um, where it needs to be, especially at the high school level. Uh, you got to be willing to be transparent. You got to be willing to help others grow. I don't think we can kind of keep it to ourselves and hide our secrets. It's, you know, I think the game has to evolve. And for that to take place, we have to find ways to empower, whether it's our assistants or younger coaches coming up. And, and I'm only 39, but I still feel like I still have to find ways to improve and get better and sharpen my, my tactics and, um, the only way to do that is to go watch guys that have done it longer, better, and, and more consistently than I have. Yeah, it's all about a growth process, right, Coach? I mean, it's all about trying to get better. Coach, tell, um, I love your core values, and I was uh, you know, reading a lot about your character, competence, and service. Um, I'm a big believer that if you don't have a philosophy, I think it's hard to lead kids. Um, tell the listeners – why you have these as your core values and how do you get players to embody these core values? 
you know, as I was thinking about, um, you know, what I want in a player, if you could design the perfect player, you know, one of the things that my staff and I joke about sometimes is we look at players' strengths and weaknesses. Sometimes you have one guy who's a really great rebounder and a great screener and a great hustler, and you got another guy that's not those things, but he's a great passer, he's a great defender. And we're like, man, if you could just merge those two guys together to be one, we'd have a great basketball player. And so as I'm thinking through, you know, the type of player and and people that I want to be around, I'm a father of four daughters, um, and they're going to be around my program a lot. And one thing I want to make sure that I do is expose them to what it means to be a gentleman, to be guys of character. And and that's the number one importance for me is you got to have character. You got to be able to do things um, with integrity and for the right reasons. And, And in today's society, again, it's hard sometimes to do that because, we, we often want to put ourselves first. And so um, there's an authenticity in that. And when you see it, uh, you're like, yeah, that's it right there. That's what, that's what I'm striving for. So the character piece is huge. Um, and it takes a lot of people and it takes a lot of time and it takes some failure to kind of go through that uh, until you have a better grasp of what that looks like. The competence side, I think, is just as valuable in, in that, you know, a lot of, a lot of today's game um, isn't taught as much maybe as it is played. You know, you think back to when, at least when I was playing and maybe when you were playing, you know, we, we would practice Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, four times, and then go play one game on the weekend. So yeah, you know, sure. four to one ratio. And that's, that's switched now. Most teams will, in the summer specifically, they'll practice once and go play four games on the weekend. So, you know, just trying to, to teach the game, watching film, I don't know how much that is emphasized in part of a practice routine. And so we really try to tie that into practice of, you know, we give tests over our playbook. We talk about situational things and you can learn a lot from other sports. I think football does a great job in that. Um, So we're trying to steal little ways to grow our players competence Uh, and then service, you know, in order to be a great, a great team, you got to have great teammates. And I think if you emphasize that uh, as hard as it, as it is and unnatural as it may be for some people, uh, the more that you can demonstrate that, I think the more that, that kids will buy into that vision. Yeah, I love that. And that's, <clears throat> and that's something, what, what I'm trying to do this year, Coach, and give me your feedback on it, is every day in practice. Like right now, see, I, I coach the middle school team and I coach the JV and varsity. So I'm at a small school. Yep. So I got I to do a lot of stuff. But, um, you know, we, we practice those, our core values, you know, uh, you know, every day in, within our drills, we're constantly emphasizing that. How do you do that in your program? You know, I, I, first few years, I struggled to find that. I, I struggled to find that balance of what my team needs from me. And I think, you know, oftentimes we talk to our players about what it means to be focused and what it means to be mentally prepared for, for a game. And I think the more consistently that we can get them to do that in an everyday setting, um, you know, the one thing that I think kids are challenged with and, and coaches too is the, the emotions of the game. I, I often try to talk to my guys about you can't be emotional. I, I think you can show passion. I think you should show intensity. Uh, but I think emotion rides too high and dips too low that when you become emotional, you're tied to outcomes too much. And we're trying to get them to be focused, locked in more so on uh, just the, the growth mindset of, you know, here's where we have to find ways to improve. You know, I try to use the illustration. Um, Coach Wooden talked about, you know, Bill Walton went 21 for 22 in a game one time. 
And most everybody would talk about the 21 shots he made, and he only focused on the one shot he missed. And so that's growth mindset. And, and when you have a fixed mindset uh, in a practice setting, you're only looking at the outcome or how you did. And so it's such a it's such a instinct that comes and goes so quickly. So, you know, a lot of our drills, a lot of our, our routines, um, we try to create an, an element of our practice that's pretty intense. If you were to show up and, and come and watch this practice, you would hopefully be able to see the things that we emphasize on a consistent basis with our talk, with our Can you hear me? Hi, Coach. Um, as much as we want anything we want, and that's brand new. So it's been great for us to kind of – get our freshman group in right now. Um, you know, we're in a setting where I, I bet I got 55 to 60 kids in the gym with me two days a week. Uh, and that's not including fall sports athletes. So um, we're trying to teach the game at a high level, those mental reps. And, and that's, that's a big part of what we're trying to do right now. Yeah. And I'm going to ask you a little bit about your, um, your player development system in a second. Tell me a little bit, uh, Matt about Brad Butterworth. I, I know I met Brad Butterworth when he was at 9450. I don't remember. I don't know if you remember the 9450 ball. He was selling that and he came and did a workout with my players at the military school I was at. Uh -huh. I just noticed he's a great teacher of the game and he's all detailed. You guys are probably similar because he's saying the same thing about you. What do you what what do you see what's going on with shoot 360 and uh, tell me a little bit about your relationship with Brad you know it's it's unique I, I've only met Brad twice um, he, he got a hold of me when he moved down to Indianapolis and said hey I'm I'm going to some practices in the area I'd love to stop by and so he came by one day uh, he kind of ran out pretty quick and but he was really excited he's like I'm gonna bring some of my guys back so he showed back up last week and um, got to see another workout that we did. And, and again, just got, had, had a lot of great things to say. Um, I'm actually today at two o'clock going to go and, and he's kind of shutting down the facility. He's having me come in to speak to his, his team about uh, leadership development and some of that stuff. But um, you know, in the Indianapolis area right now, um, it, it's just a hotbed for basketball. Uh, the state obviously is, is known for basketball, but the Indianapolis area, uh, which is kind of where we are just North of it, uh, has a ton of basketball talent, great coaches, long traditions. Um, and, and the developmental piece has become a big part of that. So uh, trainers and, and that type of, of improvement skill and the shoot 360 stuff is, is cutting edge. And it's, it's important for our guys to understand, you know, our staff especially, you can either learn to embrace that right now because that's the movement or you can kind of fight that. And so, we're really trying to empower our players and our coaches to understand that this is something that we can add on to your game. It doesn't replace a part of your game. Um, it doesn't replace practice. It doesn't replace you working out of your own. It's in addition to, and I think if we get our kids to understand, to utilize that, um, you know, now you're adding a dimension to your game that you might not have been able to add before. Yeah, and it's great because I, I love what he's doing because it's measurable. I mean, you it's hard 
you know, playing, you know, working by yourself, which I think it's good self-discipline, but the system he has out there to me is unbelievable. I wish they were out here in the Atlanta area. Um, give me a specific example of what they're doing at shoe 360 with your players or, you know, one of the things I think it challenges them is just, is just tracking your data. I think a lot of kids these days when they shoot, um, they're shooting just to shoot and there's no competitive drive. There's no understanding behind the analytics of basketball because it's such a big piece of it now. Um, and, and so that's one of the benefits of what they do is you can learn, you know, like, like a couple of years ago when the, when the Noah came in and, and we talked about the arc of the shot, you know, I, I don't think it was, it was a cutting edge thing because it was like, wow, like if I can learn muscle memory and repetition on this, then I'm going to become a better shooter. And so, I think one thing it does is at Shoot 360 is it gets kids understanding that um, they need to continue to put work in. And so when we had the knower, you get one of the new guns to shoot on. I think it's a it's a piece uh, that you can you can entice players to go practice more uh, than they may would have if it wasn't available to them. Um, because again, I think the challenge, especially in our area, there's so much to do. We just got a Top Golf open up down the street. Um, we're the third largest state or city in the state now with a hundred thousand people. Uh, we just got an Ikea here. I mean, there's a lot of things going on the Pacers, the Colts. Um, but if you can just go down the street and hop in the gym and, and work out for an hour and get some, some data back to help you become a better player. Again, I think it goes back to that, that competence side of things. You know, if you were to ask your players right now, coach, like what is a good high school three point percentage for a player? You know, I did that my first year at Kokomo, and, and the answers I got were, were baffling because I don't think players completely understand. The coaches do, the analytical side, but I don't think yeah. they do a great job of breaking down and explaining what, you know, a 38% three-point shooter in high school is pretty good, you know. But if you're going to make that jump to being a great three-point shooter, then the volume um, and the percentage you have to hit uh, is going to be in the 40s at some point. And so just giving them better data to understand kind of where they fit and then how they can use that to continue to improve and sharpen their skills. Yeah, absolutely. I think especially today, let's be honest, Matt, I mean, kids need they, they, they need that instant feedback because that's how they're being developed. Absolutely. <laughs> I mean, they, they, they instant feedback. And I do, I do a lot of that. Um, we don't have the Dr. Dish. I'm a big supporter of Dr. Dish. We still have the old old shoot away i'm still old school um but we're looking to get a dr dish and i know that's that's the kind of the next level shooting machine um coach tell me you are just from kind of studying you you're a program builder it looks like you have gone to programs that were down and you built them up and i i love that because that's what i have done at many high schools i've been at Tell us about your championship vision and why you enjoy going to programs to kind of build them up. You know, I think it, it takes a certain kind of grit. And, and part of my DNA as a player was, you know, my, I started as a freshman in high school. Uh, we weren't very good. My sophomore year, we were a little bit better. We lost in the sectional. My junior year, we get a new coach. We lose in the sectional final. My senior year, we win 18 games and play in the regional final. So, uh, just the, the building process is something I had to go through as a player. When I went to college, my first year, we won eight games. My sophomore year, we win 10 games. Half the team transfers after that. I stay. My junior year, we win 13 games. My senior year, we go 500. And, and you just build some, some toughness about 
why you do what you do. And I, I was never somebody that was going to quit. Um, I signed up for this and, and I'm going to see it through. So when I got into the coaching side of things, uh, that was always appealing to me. You know, when I look at, when I look at old sixties cars, I want to refurbish the car, you know, but then I'm going to probably sell the car and move on and then do it again, because that's part of the process. I enjoy about the building. Um, all the jobs that I've had, uh, we've had to kind of look at those and, and evaluate what the programs need and how we can bring toughness to the players and, and bring honesty. I think that's a huge component. If you're going to build something nowadays, you got to be honest with the kids. You got to have relationships. You got to be able to speak truth. I think parents as crazy as they can be sometimes, I think you've got to find a way to include them in that process. Uh, because ultimately every kid now has their mom, their dad, their trainer, their AU coach, their head coach, they got their buddies. Like they got six or seven people they're listening to. And if you're not in that top two or three, then you're not going to have a say in kind of things that go on in their life athletically. So uh, we try to really spend a lot of effort of our time in that building process. Uh, just, just letting them know one, we care about them Two, it, It's not outcome based. It's, it's growth based. Um, and, and we want them to dream. I think sometimes guys put ceilings on their dreams and, you know, I tell them all the time, we got a lot of guys right now that want to go to division one. You know, I want to go to division one. It's like, you know, you need to take that belief and that dream off and, and you need to say, I want to be a professional. And so if you want to be a professional, then you need to start practicing and acting right now as a professional, because you will eventually become that if you do that long enough. So um, I've loved it. You know, I think that the illustration I've used with the parents before is, um, you know, you buy a house, you'd love to build a house, but you don't have the resources. So when you buy a house, the very first thing you do is in the first year, you probably redo the floors. And that's all you can do in the first year. You establish that foundation. And then in year two, you go to the kitchen and, and you redo the kitchen. And by year three, you do the bathrooms. And then by year four, that house now has become your home. And, and with our programs, that's kind of the growth that we've seen. Each year we've added and, and really tweaked something in the program to help grow it, to make it home. Yeah, and it takes a certain type of coach to do that, though. I know not all coaches – I know some coaches that are good managers, they can actually go in already into a championship program and continue that. But you put them in a situation like what you're doing, they would struggle. Don't you find there's different personalities for different programs? Absolutely. And that's the fun part is, you know, I think to be challenged. I mean, ultimately, um, you know, I, I want to, I have a goal. I want to win a state championship and we're going to set the bar high and we're going to continue to pursue that. But um I think that making it into one, and, and that's why the Fisher's opportunity for me, my, my situation at Kokomo was great and I loved it, but uh, Fisher's is a school that is 12 years old. Uh, it branched off of a, a power in our area called Hamilton Southeastern. We're actually in the same district. So if you think about this, in just 12 years, we've gone to 3,600 kids, which is the sixth largest in the state of Indiana. And there's a lot of opportunity there to kind of write our story, our tradition, where the, the job I came from in Kokomo, uh, when I left, that was the 114th season. So very different ends of the spectrum and, and having the ability to help navigate this, uh, hopefully for years to come beyond me, uh, was an exciting challenge. And, and, you know, we've got state championships around us in our County and, and all these challenges, but, um, there, there weren't many jobs that were going to take me away from where I was at, except something like this to 
help kind of further that direction of, of building a program versus trying to sustain one. Right. And it sounds like it, what a great experience. It sounds like you were kind of in two different, not, I wouldn't say cultures, but two different programs. They were kind of they, they, two different areas, two different environments. That's what it sounds like. Um, that, that, that's great experience for you, right? Yeah. Yeah. And that's the fun part because <laughs> it's, it's never the same. You know, it's I went from from the college setting where you're dealing with young men to to an urban setting where you're dealing with kids, mostly without fathers to now a setting that's, you know, it's a high income area and, and you got everybody right. and their brother wanting to be part of it and touch it. So uh, all of which have really shaped me and, and helped me kind of look at what what do I need to do to get better for what this situation needs, because each situation is different. Yeah, absolutely. Hey, let's talk a little practice. I'm a practice coach. Well, I'm a game coach, too, but I. I love practices. Um, my approach is what I call, I, I kind of wrote something on this. Uh, I kind of put together, it's called the games approach. And it emphasizes playing rather than reproducing a technical model. So I want the kids to kind of focus on transferring their skills and tactics to gameplay. Um, what is your practice philosophy model? I want to make sure my practice are not just drills, but they can relate to the game. Uh, give me your practice philosophy, Matt. You know, in the last two or three years, we've really embodied the you know, Coach Wooden's whole part, whole method. Um, and, and each team I've had has been a little bit different. This year I've got a, a good core returning group. Um, so what we try to do each each day, each day has a different emphasis. So Monday, is, is if we have a weekend game, Monday will be completely skill-driven. It will be competitive shooting. It will be – high reps in our, in our shooting, our drills, all the stuff that we're trying to do that we record that week. So um, we want to hopefully get the week started off with high-intensity, high-focus, uh, skill-driven approach. When we come back on a Tuesday, uh, it will typically be a defensive emphasis or focus. Some of that will be dictated based on um, who we're playing that week, a zone team, a, a pressing team, that kind of thing. Uh, and we were going to really hone down on the whole part whole. If we need to improve our, our matchup zone or our trapping, we will spend a lot of breakdown time. But we always want to come back to the, to the game-like situation. We play a lot of four-minute games because I think if you can win, you know, we try to talk about the, the, the most important 16 minutes or the first four minutes of the half and the last four minutes of the half. If we can win those 16 minutes – there's a good chance we're winning every game. Um, and that's what I think is important for us to focus on. When we come back on a Wednesday, it's more of an offensive focus. Thursday is more situation-based. And honestly, on game days, whether it's a Saturday or whenever that may be, um, if we have a Saturday night game, we're going to practice that afternoon. I think, I think our guys grew up with this mindset of, well, tomorrow's a game. we got to go light. We don't do that. If we have 23 games on our schedule, the day before the game is a normal practice because we're trying to build a mindset of we just got in one extra practice than they did. So by the end of the year, those practices are going to add up and we're going to have 20 to 25 more reps than they are at going at the level we need to to be successful. Yeah, I love that. Um, yeah, I, I, I don't like the term walkthrough. I, you probably don't either, probably. Uh I, we always we always go game like as well. Um, give me a give me kind of a sample of a preseason practice on what you might be doing. Um, you know, right now, honestly, 
we're trying to teach the element of uh, defensively, especially we've kind of changed our philosophy. So uh, this last Wednesday, um, we're talking to our guys a lot about just understanding how to switch, when to switch, why we switch, uh, how to be in a gap and, and breaking those down. And then we put them in competitive situations where now you got to figure it out. You know, they're, there are not going to be times where we just stop it. I think sometimes we as coaches, we step in when something doesn't go right to control right. the situation more. And so, um, you know, we play a lot of four on four. We call it big three. Some days we'll do it three on three setting. But the big three that we, we will not give up in these drills are no shot in the lane at all. No shot whatsoever. No offensive rebound and no made basket. And until you get three of those in a row, then you stay in the drill. So we did that this last Wednesday. We had a group that was in there for about 32 minutes. Um, and, and that's just, you, you got to get a stop. You, when, when it's time to get one, you got to get one. Um, now, with that being said, we will stop and t- have teaching points about, you know, if you're getting lazy in your closeouts, if you're not high hands on closeouts, if we're not blockout pursuits, if we're not communicating in our switch-ups, then – then we will stop it because that's something that is an effort thing that you have to fix. Um, but we'll spend a lot of time in those elements rather than do 12, 13, 14 drills. We're probably going to spend time on five or six drills and put a lot of depth and energy into being really good at those. Yeah, I was, I was, I was kind of waiting for you to say that because I know all your good coaches do that. A friend of mine calls it, his name's Greg White. He calls it his DNA drills, and um, they do the same drills every day, but they they kind of change up the emphasis and they have variations to it. Um, so the kids kind of get used to the drills, but it, it they they start to be they start to feel very comfortable within it. But he makes variations to it, and I love that just the the name DNA. So I actually stole that from him. Um, those are his core drills. Yeah, I'm sure you believe in that as well, right? You have like you said, four to five, maybe six drills that you do pretty much on a daily basis? Absolutely. You know, when I was coaching in college, I would recruit down at Fork Union Military Academy in Virginia. Um, Fletcher Errett was the head coach there, and and Coach Errett just retired a few years ago uh, after, I think, 40, 41 years. But picked up a lot of just what you said, those those, these staples in our program. This is who we are. This is what we're going to be about. And that's where I think as you look at our coaching model and we get together as a staff, we go on our retreats, um, a lot of the stuff that, that, that Shoot360 can do and our trainers are doing with our guys, if we know that they're getting that from somewhere else and we can utilize our time better in a practice situation, giving them stuff that they're not going to see outside of our, our gym, we will adapt to what we think that might be. So we write, try to get in, input from our players Hey man, what are you working on? What are you doing? What do you think? How do you feel? Um, it doesn't mean that we're going to change necessarily, but I think that information is is valuable in how we organize a practice to try to get something from it. Yes, that's that's awesome, Coach. My last question for you is uh, in regard to player development. Because I I know I, I was told you it's going to be short and sweet. And you've done perfect on that. I appreciate all the feedback you're giving to uh, me and the listeners. Player development. Um, and tell me what you think about this. I, I believe in what I call my, my random practice model, which is 
I don't want my players shooting the same shot twice in a row. And I ask them a lot of questions during the workout. So I get them to kind of think on their own and create their own shots. What is your player development philosophy? And uh, tell me a little bit about your uh, player development academy that you run. You know, I think one of the first key pieces to that is, is you got to have a conversation with the kid. You know, I think Brad Stevens was kind of the, the first guy to transition us into uh, positionless basketball. And, and it really is. But I think, I think, you know, we did this in recruiting a lot. We had a vision with how we would develop players as a freshman in college, as a sophomore, as a junior, as a senior. And, and we taught, we caught, we'd say weapons, like we're going to develop your weapons. So by the time you're a complete basketball player, you have the weapons necessary to go into that battle uh, and be successful. Um, I, I think the core, the foundation of everything you do has to be uh, the game speed reps. You know, I think anything that you're not doing, you know, I'm not a golfer, but I, I respect the mental toughness and the consistency golf takes. And the one thing I try to get our players to understand is in golf, you know, on the fifth hole at a par three, you're not just going to waste this swing and just hit it off into the rough. Like every time in golf, every swing matters. And so we try to get them to understand that your game reps and your drills as you train is the exact same. You're building foundational core things that will help you become a better player. Um, I think we really try to emphasize, like you said, shooting is a huge component of it. You know, I think <clears throat> I went to Ohio State's practice a few years ago when John Diebler was practicing and Coach Mata was there. Um, you know, and I asked him, like, what's important to you? Like, what are we going to see? He said, we're going to get our best player a lot of shots. So I charted that day. John Diebler took over 500 threes in practice, and it was, wow. it was designed for that. And so – uh, the one thing I liked about that is he also he didn't let his bigs do the same thing. I think you have to customize for where guys are at. You have to set goals. You have to take them through that process. I think showing video is important, footwork and being able to build and grow off of that. Um, but I, I think, you know, we, we often talk about small wins, you know, small wins as in for some guys just showing up on time is a win. Right. Practice starts at 10. You're there at, at, you know, 950. Hey, man, that's a win. Um, But you got to talk to your guys about those small wins and and how to grow them, because they all want to be LeBron. Like from day one, they want to be LeBron or they want to be Steph. And and what they don't understand is the hours and hours and hours of preparation go into that. So um, right now we start at the at the third grade level. Uh, We will have 15 sessions in the spring where kids come in and they work with our varsity staff. And each day will be something different, um, trying to give them some insight into those weapons. And then as we go into the summer uh, with our grades, we have a shooting camp specific to what our players do in the summer. Uh, we will chart how many shots we make versus how many we take. We, we want to know makes. I don't care how many shots you take. I want to know how many you're making. Uh, we go from our shooting camp to our skills camp, and then we go into a four-on-four type team camp. Um, Christmas time, we're flirting with the idea of what we call space camp, uh, which sounds kind of funny, but just teaching kids how to space, how, how to space the floor. We would do more of a three-on-three setting uh, for that camp. And then as kids get older in our program, um, I think it's important every day after practice, we do groups of three of having our coaches stick around for 25 minutes and having an emphasis with groups of three of things they're working on. Because I think, 
you get better in season just as just as much as you can get better out of season. And I think if you put the time in during season, you're going to see huge amounts of growth as well. Yeah, and I think those little uh, we do this. We try to do the same thing with our our pre practice and post practice with our I coach girls here at Lake Oconee, and we try to do we try to do a ten minute segment before and after practice. And what I've found is it forces us coaches to get right into the detail instead of saying, you know, we're going to practice for 30 minutes because, you know, kids, kids times are valuable. Um, so we, we love the pre-practice and, and post-practice, but I do think coach that in season extra work makes a huge difference. Don't you think? Absolutely. You know, I think you, you said that 10 minutes and we try to explain this. So we're going to have 65, 60 practices, something like that. If you take that 10 minutes and multiply it by those 60 practices, that's almost 11 hours of work in that specific skill. Like you're going to get better, but you have to have the right mindset in approaching that 10 minutes the right way to get better. So um, it's valuable. And I think the other part that's tough sometimes is we need to be able to delegate some of that ownership to our players. You know, I think in, in the coaching world, our challenge we, is to get buy-in, right? Everybody, we got to have buy-in. Well, I don't fully agree with that because people can have buy-in that still aren't invested. Like they have to have ownership. And so we, we don't want our players to have buy-in. We need our players to have ownership. That's where they start help, helping to teach and improve the, the growth of their teammates. Yeah, I love that. I mean, I, I totally believe in that. I think I think coaches, coaches really, and I, I try to teach this to my staff, is – is almost do less, get the players to do more. Uh, that's what the ownership I think you're talking about, take that leadership role. Coach, I, I, I appreciate it. Um, I would love to do part two of this podcast. Are you open to do that? I know now I'm sure you have to go to class and so forth, but I sure appreciate you coming on, joining us. Hey, I'd love it. I appreciate the opportunity and uh, looking forward to following the guys in, in this podcast. Some guys, I've already listened to a few. Uh, that have really helped me already. So definitely anytime you want to talk, I'd love to join you. Absolutely. Can you give us some parting advice for maybe a coach that's, that's, that's in a program where it's not very good, is trying to build it, him or her? What advice can you give to them? And then also if they want to get – You know, I think the, the two things Coach Wooden told me when I asked him that question – I want, I'm a young coach. What piece of advice can you give me? And his, his exact words were keep it simple and be patient. And I think sometimes in this day and age, we want outcomes to happen. I think you got to look at your methods. You got to look at how you're doing things. You got to find ways you can improve as a leader. Um, so you got to keep it simple and you got to be patient. Um, you know, I'm on, I'm on Twitter at coach Matt Moore. Um, I, I love to, to shoot out some motivational things and find ways to empower other coaches. Um, definitely anytime you want to watch film or you need anything from me, I'd be more than happy to share. Uh, but yeah, it's a, it's an exciting time to be a coach, I think. So. Yeah, absolutely. And, and you're in to me, Indiana's like basketball heaven, man. I, I know you guys in Indiana are serious about the game. Um, just like out here, you know, we're, uh, we're about football. We're serious football people out here in Georgia. We're trying to get at the basketball. Uh, but I know the coaching out there in, in Indiana is unbelievable. Coach, I appreciate you so much for coming on and 
given us a lot of wisdom and continue to uh, build and get in your program to grow into a uh, unbelievable championship team. But thank you so much for joining us. Coach, I appreciate it. Have a great afternoon to you as well. All right. Thank you, Matt. Take care now. Bye. All right. Bye now. Championship Productions. Championship Productions, the world's number one source for quality basketball instruction, has over 1,200 videos to help you improve your craft and win more games. Learn new drills, plays, and offensive defensive systems from America's top coaches, including Coach K, Greg Popovich, Gino Ariema, John Calipari, Tom Izzo, Bob Knight, Jay Wright, and many more. To purchase insert video title, visit www.championshipproductions.com or call 1-800-873-2730. This video is available via, via DVD or instant video where you can view the video on your favorite device. Be sure to download the app so you can favorite your chapters for easy playback. Championship Productions. Five players on the floor function as one single unit. Team, 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 right? No one more important than the other.